You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is in Johannesburg and he is Portfolio Manager at FNB Wealth and Investment. Wayne, um, I think it was about 10 days ago, actually, that uh, the world was falling apart. Markets were going into a bear market that all corrected, or the major ones had corrected 10%. And suddenly, here we are, back close to, close-ish to the old highs. It's all a distant memory. Lindsay, I wish it was a distant memory. <laughs> one, I've, I've, I've learned very few things in investments. But the one thing I have learned is markets do not like rising interest rates. Okay. Now, that, that reaction could be a minus 40 or a plus 10, but it's not a plus 30% in a rising interest rate environment. It's more than likely, given my view in that I think inflation is transitory and I think it will come down to 2 or 3% by the end of the year in America, I think the number for this year is between 0 and minus 10. But... I've also, I mean, obviously, I've looked at this just about my whole adult life. Initially, when interest rates go up, the economy is normally still doing quite well. And that you can see clearly by Alphabet's results, by Microsoft's results. In fact, this results reporting season in America, 80-odd percent of companies have beaten expectations by either on revenue or on profits. So, Initially, the market can still actually keep going up in an interest rate environment as long as the underlying economy and the earnings support it. But eventually, interest rates do, higher interest rates do take their toll. So I'm still negative, if you like to put it in that, that way, about equity this year, despite the fact that we had a wobble last week. And now everything just seems hunky-dory and it's all off back to the races again. So you're not one of these people that says, well, the US Federal Reserve has flagged the fact that there'll be three, four, five interest rate rises of a quarter of a percent in the next year or so. Investment banks saying, well, one in particular investment bank says there'll be five. You don't think that that is completely factored into the market. You think that when in the cold light of day, you see that thing flashing across your screen in the United States saying, Fed raises rates by yeah. a quarter of a percent. You, you know, think that'll change everything, do you? That's, a, that's another thing that I've also learned in investments. You know, if the market was so clever and everything was factored into the market, the markets would go up by inflation and 3% per year, every year into perpetuity. You would never get a plus 40 and a minus 40. So in other words, nothing's actually ever really is factored into, into the markets, even if it's known factor. Markets are volatile. And, you know, the best news you have in markets when the market is absolutely, is absolutely in a euphoric state is the day before it falls. Yes. It's not three months before it falls, it's the day before it falls. So I'm still, I mean, I'm not overly negative because I truly do believe that this inflation is transitory. If it wasn't transitory and was staying at 6%, I don't think I would own a single share because then you're in for a minus 40 on, on, on the market. But... I think it truly is transitory, and I think all of these things will work their way out, including wages in in America. That's the one thing. And the second and a equally as important factor is that in other periods of rising interest rates where you've had a minus 40 on the market, there was a debt bubble somewhere that burst, that does higher interest rates burst the debt bubble. Now, there's no consumer debt bubble. 
anywhere in the world. There's no corporate debt bubble. There's no financial services debt bubble. So it's normally one of those three debt bubbles that's burst by higher interest rates where the economy then goes into recession. And then the market gets clobbered by higher interest rates and a falling economy, whereas now the market might only be clobbered by higher interest rates or negatively affected by higher interest rates and not by the economy going into recession because a debt bubble burst. Now, there is a debt bubble out there. Yes, where is maybe it? Maybe my grandchildren might have to answer government. Mm. My grandchildren might have to answer that debt bubble, but government's debt's very different to any other kind of debt. First of all, it's over extreme long time periods. It's never called, you know, like when a banker phones in and calls your overdraft. It doesn't have to be renewed at your next, you know, your next uh, meeting with your bank manager. So government debt, even if interest rates go up, the the refinancing of that debt at a higher interest rate is over a protracted time period. Whereas you and I with loans, with mortgage bonds or whatever, the moment interest rates go up, you pay the new interest rate on your whole bond. You know, there's no rolling. There's no, it's not phased in over a time period. But I mean, government debt, imagine if you're the US government, not South Africa. Yeah. And you can borrow money on a 20-year basis last year sometime at 0.6%. I mean, that is just nothing. That is just a zero. And in Germany, people were paying you, you know, because neg- interest rates were negative. Yeah. Now, if that starts to go up to 2% to 3%, which I think it will over time, it takes you another 20 years for you to pay 3% on your debt instead of 06 So governments are shielded from the rising interest rate environment. But as I said, maybe my grandchildren are going to have to pay that bill, you know. But we'll have to see. You and I don't have to worry about it. No, no, thank goodness. I'm, I'm looking forward to not having to worry about it, actually. Consumer debt. I saw an interview with a woman in the United States of America. She wasn't a poor person. Uh, she had a, a smart house and a, a good car. She was a single woman, had a couple of kids putting through university. And she went through her her balance sheet, her, her income statement as well. And she said, well, I've got this debt here for the car, $8,500. I still owe $60,000 on the house. I've got the kids... Uh, university uh, bills another 27,000 that I owe and my job is this and these are my repayments every month and she worked they worked it out for her if interest rates rise by let's say one to one and a half percent what that would mean and she said well mm. it actually puts me in 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 a, in a lot of trouble and that I'd say yes. that's a consumer debt bubble to a certain extent within certain strata of society a middle-class America yeah. for example it's- Yes and no. And the reason why I say yes is for the very reasons you've explained. The reason why I say no is there's been no massive splurge on credit as we saw in 2008 in the financial services, as we saw in 2003 into the stock market and the dot-com bubble, as we saw in 2008 into the housing bubble. So, in other words, it just squeezes your income. It doesn't declare you bankrupt. You don't get your house repossessed. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, corp- so it is different. Corporate balance sheets are, are, are chock full of cash at the moment, aren't they? I mean, obviously, that's a sweeping statement, but a lot of the companies, given the results yeah. that we've seen from S&P 500 companies, select no, S&P they, 500, they, they, they got, they're awash with but cash. But the big ones, you know, if, if you had to take the average over the whole stock market, they're all awash in cash. So yeah. obviously, there's some companies that aren't. 
and you take the banking sector after 2008 in the global financial crisis, there's no bubble, there's no debt bubble in the banking sector. There's no more off-balance sheet financing and all of these fancy hedge funds geared five times. You know, you give me one dollar, we borrow five and we invest six. That's all gone. Uh-huh. So it, 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 it is different this time around in respect to the debt bubble. So we're not going to get some bursting of a bubble somewhere which pushes the economy into a recession, which then coupled with higher interest rates, you get a minus 40 on the stock market. But, you know, as I've said a few times now, the free lunch is over on equity. Yes, you've said that many, many you know, times. And the, uh, the free lunch is over now. Yeah. I'm just looking and at... That just might mean equity returns return to the normal sort of level, but the years of 20% per year compounding that that's behind us now. Just looking at the um, uh, Commodity Research Bureau Index, um, which is now at its highest level since October 2014. And the reason that I disagree with you wholeheartedly on your transitory inflation, uh, Jay Powell inspired uh, rhetoric, uh, Wayne, is because I'm looking at the natural gas price at the moment. Okay. Oil is important, uh, but natural gas for Europeans is terribly important, which is, let's face it, a a giant uh, economic powerhouse as a collective. It's up nearly 12% today. I don't know what the increment is, and I'm so lazy, I don't look at it, Uh, but it's 5.31. Natural gas is at 5.31. It was below 4 just about three weeks ago. So it's gone up, what is that? If if it was 4 and it's gone up to 5, it's it's about 20% higher in two to three weeks. Mm. And that is terribly, terribly important. The oil price still above ninety dollars yep. a barrel, just Brent crude oil, ninety oh one at the moment. So I don't know. I don't know if it's going away, Wayne. But you, you, no, you I, I hear you. I hear you. You I mean, like the base effect argument, don't you? If oil goes to one twenty, then that argument's out of the window. My argument doesn't hold any water. Mm. But you know, copper's down seriously. All the platinum group metals are down seriously. Iron ore's down seriously. You know, a lot of commodities are actually down. But I mean, you know. There's one thing in investments, you eventually know whether you're right or wrong. But if I'm wrong and inflation is not transitory, yeah. you know, put on your crash helmet because the market will take an almighty pounding. If inflation stays at above 5% by the end of this year, because commodities have gone up, because wages have gone up, because oil has gone up, because all these other things have gone up and they look as though they're going to carry on going up, We'll have another 2008. The market will take a pounding. What's your time frame so on maybe this? Maybe I'm just hiding my head in the sand. <laughs> I saying don't think that you inflation are. Inflation's trying to do, but yeah. It, it, it's 7% in the, in the United States at the moment. Maybe next month it comes down to 6.5%, let's say. And by uh, the autumn, uh, the, the, the American autumn, it comes down to 5.5%. Interest rates are only projected to rise at the most hawkish people yeah, are saying that they'll go up to 1.5%. That's still yes, a the, massive gap between the, but, inflation and interest rates, isn't it? Yes, it is. But all the forecasts, the same as the interest rate forecasts say it's going to go up to 1.5%, or 1.5%, all the forecasts say inflation's coming down to 2 I'd love, I'd love to see one of those forecasts because I haven't seen one, but I, I, I shall do some no, searching for that. Now, all, all, all of the forecasts by the end of this year, inflation in America is between 2 and 3%. Oh, gosh, I'd love to have a bet on that one, but uh, but, but not with you. I know you're not a speculator, you're an investor. Wayne, what about South Africa? It's had a really good start to the year. Then it had a wobble, obviously, with the rest of the markets, and now here we are, all-time record highs again. 
Look, we've been driven by a few very specific factors, and let me try and name them all. The financials were just undervalued and they're going up. So that was just a valuation argument. The retailers are doing very well, way better than what was expected. And we can come back to that one as well, because I think there's some very interesting stats on South Africa. Then we've had a fairly unique phenomenon in our market because of the just how massive process and nice pass are. They're also going up on what appears to be China dialing back a little bit on attacking on attacking tech companies and you know common prosperity and all of these stories. So those two have recovered nicely. And then the mining shares and the commodity shares have done well. So yeah, there's the four factors there that you know and you know, every Monday I'll produce uh, a document for our investment team. Yeah. And um, and I get up very early on the Monday morning and I load the latest prices into it. And what it does is it tries to, based on, based on our earnings forecasts and where we don't analyze a company, you know, consensus earnings forecasts. And there's, a, there's a many, many shares we put into this thing. And it boils down to, what we expect the market to do. But what it also does is it uses your expected share price. Eventually, it boils down to a share price in two years' time. But then we say, right, this company is a solid company with predictable earnings. So there we'll say the cost of capital is the long bond rate at 10%. But if you've got a very volatile company, we'll use 15%. So what it all boils down to is we say a risk-free return is 9%, plus you want another 3 or 4% more return because you're in equity, so you'd want 12% return. And if the market gives you more than 12 over a one-year or more than 24 over a two-year, it appears to be value to us. Then we would be overweight equity. The current number now is not frightening, but it's showing a return below the cost of capital. In other words, you would actually in the next two years be better off Essentially, owning government bonds. Okay, because we not we don't we don't see great upside. You know, after the market collapsed in the after the COVID lockdown story, I mean, this thing was showing a, a discounted plus thirty percent, plus twenty five percent return over the next year. You know, then you buy. So now you know once it, so this thing for what it's worth also seems to indicate be cautious on equity. Okay, so the caution on equity is a is a twelve month affair from from your point of view, and then maybe you'll you'll Not adjust your. Look, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it's two years, but certainly for this year, I'm cautious. Okay, so let's say it's, let's say it's eighteen months. Let's meet each other in the middle here. What do you do? Yeah. Do you sit down and you say, well, you're still giving getting dividends, Mr. Williams, and um, it's if you get out, you're probably never going to get back in again. So just yeah. sit tight, and you can tinker yeah. with your cars, and I can sit at yeah, home and do not- nothing. It's not frightening enough to actually go in and physically sell, sell, sell shares to any great degree, but we're not overweight there. No. So you've got cash sitting yeah, there waiting for the dip. We were overweight. We've got cash sitting there, yeah. Very good. And what sort of dip would entice you into the market, Wayne? Look, at the market had to fall 15%, we'd be back in. Okay. Because I don't, as I said, I don't see a minus 40 Okay, so start at 15, minus 15, and then, uh, which we were very close to in the United States anyway, 10% here, 10% there. Yeah. So you were close to that. I don't yeah. know what South Africa did, uh, but um, probably not quite as much. Uh, but you, you were there yeah, waiting yeah, in yeah. the wings, which is very good. Okay. 
That's nice. Um, Wayne, after, 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 we talk about food. I don't know if you've got any food stories for yes. me, but have you? Okay, well, give me your food story first, and then I'll tell you the sad tale of mine. Well, but oh, no, you don't ever want to hear a sad tale about food, eh? Well, it is a little bit, actually. I mean, and, uh, that, that, would truly be, that would truly be terrible. Right, so let me tell you my food story. Okay. And it's, I'll try and keep it, keep it relatively short. You don't have to. I, I, went, down, I went down to um, Howick to go and buy some engine space. So I had my bucky yeah. with a four-meter trailer on the back. I drove down there. I picked up the engine space, but then I bought a few more spares that I didn't think I was going to buy. And we loaded it all up in my bucky, and my bucky unfortunately was overloaded, but it was all fine. We get to the virtually the top of Van Rennen's Pass, and I get hemmed in with trucks all around me going at two kilometers an hour. I couldn't get out. I lost. Couldn't get past these trucks. I lost all momentum on the way and down. On that big uphill, or no, on the, the way, way back. Up. Oh, on the way up, okay. climbing. Oh, okay, climbing. Ooh. And I knew if I had stopped there, I would never have been able to pull off again with the weight that I had in my, my poor old bucky. So I was hemmed in by these trucks, and the truck in front just kept going slower and slower and slower. And I had to slip my clutch in first gear to keep my bucky going forward. Lucky enough, we got to the top of Van Renens, and But unfortunately, about 15 kilometers later on, my bucky gave up the ghost. Oh, the no. engine packed up, and we... Sat on the side of the road at night time in Van Renens. Lucky we were on a straight stretch, so it wasn't particularly dangerous with cars coming. And there's no cars on the road, by the way. There are no cars. There are only trucks. There are no cars. I mean, maybe one in 30 is a car. The rest, the other 29 are trucks, big trucks. Yeah. So, you know, there's no freight going on rail. Which, what what make is your bucky? Because that's I, another point. I had, an, I, had a Nissan no, hard, is I had a Nissan hardbody, and it was terribly reliable. Even though I wasn't uh, doing things yeah, that you I do, had, I was just posing around in the thing. But what did you have? I had a Nissan I've, I've got a Nissan hardbody, 20-year-old, 2.7 non-turbo diesel. Right. And it was and it's fantastic. I loved it. But it just gave up the ghost. It was just a little bridge too far. Anyway, so we break down 25 kilometers outside of Harry Smith. And we get towed into Harry Smith. We go to the local hotel there, right at the at the highway, and it's a very nice place. I mean, it truly is a nice place. And we like the the only people still awake in the hotel. I don't think it was particularly full because the parking garage was empty. And we go in there. This friend of mine and I came to help me, and we are now covered in dirt. I mean, we had to. I mean, the bucky broke down, and we loaded spares, and so we were looking looking in a in a wonderful condition. And the restaurant and everything at the hotel was closed, and we said to them, please, can't you open? We are starving. This is about quarter past nine or past nine at night time. It's still early. Okay. And they opened the restaurant. Yeah, but, I mean, this is Harry Smith, eh? Yeah, true. Yeah, the Good restaurant, because there was no one in the hotel. There were only, like, four cars in the parking garage, so the, the restaurant was closed. Yes. And the room service was also closed after half past nine. So we said to them, please, won't you open it up for us? And they said, okay, no problem. They, the chef was just about to leave. They called the chef back, and this friend of mine had rump steak with garlic sauce and chips and some vegetables, and it was delicious. Yes, but Wayne, it's because you we were, were hungry. exhausted. We were starving. Yeah. But it was still good. It was still a good experience. So I, I gave them a, a, a very generous tip, nice tip to thank them for opening up the restaurant, and we we actually had a lovely evening. The food was fantastic. We had two or three beers each, 
And then the next day, the, the breakdown truck came and picked us up from Harry Smith from Joburg. I know a guy in Joburg who runs a breakdown service. He drove down, picked us up. We got back to Joburg at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And that was all. That all went extremely well until I saw his bill for the breakdown. And I worked out I could have rented <laughs> a truck for the same price. But anyway, that's another point. Yes, but at least it was good service. But, and know, what I like about that is that you know, steak, it, it, steak and garlic sauce yeah. with chips doesn't sound particularly exciting, but at that time, at that place, given our state of hunger, it was delicious. But what I like about that story is the fact that you knew somebody that would come and rescue you, first of all. A hotel yes. was willing to uh, break the rules and say, okay, well, let's, you know, we've only got five people staying here, but the chef will stay. Um, and, and, and they went beyond, uh, above and beyond the call of duty, which is yes. a, it's a good South African story because you don't often hear those stories when people are willing to no, go the and extra they, mile. And they, and they were very friendly. And they, and they were very friendly. The, the, wait, the waitress stayed behind and the chef stayed behind and we said, listen, can you do a steak and chips? He said, yes. Can you do a garlic sauce? He said, yes. I said, that's fine. I didn't want to see the menu. I wasn't going to order, <laughs> if you could, the crayfish or something in Harry Smith. No, the beef, the beef wellington, no. No, that's uh, obviously not. No. Um, well, so, uh, Wayne, just to put a dampener on this, uh, I, I've... I, I mentioned last week that we've just come out of lockdown in the Netherlands and I thought I'd go and find a, a decent restaurant. I can't find a Portuguese restaurant anywhere near me, uh, which was your suggestion. Um, and I looked around for other restaurants. Although they're allowed to be open, none of them have opened because they can't, fire, sure. they can't find the staff. They've, they've, they've lost staff, obviously, over a six-week period. Young people have uh, gone off and, and got other jobs or gone on holiday or other things whatever it is. Yeah, so they, 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 they're not staffed up. They had to stock up they, with, you know, with, the, with, the, with the bar, um, with the booze in the bar and the food. So none of the decent places are open. You can still get pizza and pasta and burgers and things, but that doesn't really interest me. Yeah. So I, I haven't been able to find anywhere. So what I've decided is to have a frugal February. People have dry January. I'm going to have a frugal February. I'm going to eat consomme every night, a, a dry cracker here and there, and 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 start to uh, start to yearn for food because I've had a really good food run recently, especially after talking to you because yeah. it makes me it makes me drool a little bit talking to you. So I've decided no, I'm going to become monastic in my eating habits. That's my sad story. Well, that's not good at all. I know. Tell me about it. It's only the third. So what did what did what did what did, what did who was it was it was it was it Wilde or one of the great British authors who said there is no love or the love for food is the most powerful love of all or something like that. You know, probably. So no, you can't. You can't. You can't just have a dry old cracker there. At least put some blue cheese on it or. No, no, well, no dairy. Muscle order. No dairy, no meat. Just, just, just. Uh, no, thin, no, that's very sad. Thin soup and vegetables and and porridge in the morning with a few seeds and dried fruit and stuff like that. I'm sorry, Wayne. I have to do it. Frugal no, February. No, 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 no. You can't. No, that life, life isn't worth it then. Well, I'll have to live my uh, food life vicariously through you, as I do every Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is from FMB Wealth and Investment, and that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position 
or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.